Hey, 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 you guys. Thank y'all so much for being a part of Black Canvas Season 8. We have another amazing guest here on the show, and his name is Jack the Underdog. If you guys have not heard of him before, this is going to be an amazing introduction. I'm a huge fan of his music and what he stands for. In just over half a decade, Jack the Underdog has reinvented the pop-punk genre. He fuses pop-punk styles with electric and hip-hop elements to create a totally original sound dubbed R&P. Inspired by social justice, Jack the Underdog writes music for the misfits. Jack understands the battles of feeling unheard, and he aims to be a voice for the marginalized and misunderstood, hoping they can find some solace in his melodies. Jack the Underdog began his career, Jack Omis, writing songs in his hometown of St. Paul, Minnesota. Music has always been in his bones, beginning at a young age. Jack took piano lessons, played the school orchestra, picked up other instrument lessons, and attended School of Rock, where he was coached on performance and songwriting. Just a few years later, he formed a band with his high school peers called Painting Stars. As he began to emerge as Jack the Underdog, Jack's music led him to Nashville as he continued his music education at Belmont University. Jack majored in songwriting and music business and minored in social justice. Within his first few months in Nashville, Jack and his band Painting Stars were given the opportunity to open for the punk rock group The Story So Far. Jack the Underdog song Dolly Hard to Read, Sleepless, and Writing My Future has been featured on popular Minnesota radio stations. His song Dolly gained popularity on the social platform TikTok as it was being used by popular content creators. With the release of Wasting Away in March of 2022, Jack the Underdog established himself in the punk pop genre. He continues to represent the underdogs, finding ways to aid people however he can. Inspired by his mother's battle with cancer, Jack donated all of the proceeds generated by one of his songs to Gilda's Club, a support community for those living with cancer. Jack also works full-time at a nonprofit that works to prevent sexual violence across the state of Tennessee. Jack the Underdog's most recent release was his seven-song project, Acoustic Variants. His progressive attitude and hard-hitting lyrics will undoubtedly catapult him all the way to the top. Jack will continue to release music throughout the year 2023, most recently collaborating with artists such as Killin Quinn of Sleeping with Sirens and more. And we're just so excited to have Mr. Jack here on Black Canvas. Thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the show. It's just amazing. We're in year 2023, new starts. I always tell people I, I believe more in goals than just doing resolutions. And so having you here, this is a goal of yes. mine to have amazing artists, people who I just started to follow and just to give them opportunity to share their music in their life. And I love what you have been able to do thus far, and especially with you working in such areas where social justice, I think, needs to be a bigger role that we start to see in the community. I'm just really excited to hear that. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the kind words.
Oh, no problem. So you won't imagine. So, Jack, what do you think I do full-time in my full-time job? <laughs> so are you in social justice as well? I'm a LPC. I'm a licensed professional counselor full-time. I love that. That's awesome. Yes. I, I we're, in a similar, we're in a similar world then, for sure. Most definitely similar worlds. I feel like, you know, we have to advocate, you know, to a certain extent for our clients, but also just being aware of the challenges they face and I just, when I was reading your bio, I was like, wow, this is something that I think we need to start to see, especially with music artists. Um, you guys have such a platform where you can show positivity in the world and actually be able to build and regain, you know, people's self-worth and confidence through the music and, and you being able to advocate in those ways. And so it's good to hear that you're putting it to good use and hopefully it can help so many people who are struggling. Yeah, dude, thank you. That's that's the goal. I definitely want to, you know, give that voice to people that feel like they've been pushed to the side and just kind of, you know, kind of let them know they are welcome, they are valid, and, um, you know, things do get better. So, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. No problem. So I created some fun questions, some with titles that I think you might actually know, and <laughs> we're going to do some fun ah. rapid-fire questions if you're ready for it. I'm ready for it. And I was going to say, I have never had an interviewer or a podcast um, host or anything ask questions that are, you know, based on my song titles. This is the coolest thing ever, dude. I, I'm, I love this. This is awesome. Oh, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the first one we have is I need a break. So during COVID-19, most of the world, of course, was put in a difficult situation of navigating life. Um, did you ever want to quit music or just take a break just specifically as related to the pandemic? Yeah. So the pandemic never made me want to actually quit music. Um, but my faith in myself and my faith in like the ability of the whole world around me to bounce back from it definitely went way down. Um, I definitely had a lot of feelings of, you know, I'm not good enough or, oh, uh, how am I going to get a job and all this kind of stuff. Um, but music was kind of like the huge reason that I got through that period of time, honestly, that period of time of, you know, not only illness of COVID, but also like the violence and confusion and fear and all those things that were coming around in that time. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota. I'll probably mention that a little bit later. Um, and there was a lot of stuff happening in Minnesota around that same time um, regarding, you know, George Floyd and everything. So I went from a place of, you know, like I want to do music full time to the world's ending. I just need a job to keep myself alive kind of thing. Um, and so my last semester in college, um, here at Belmont, uh, here at Nashville at Belmont university, uh, before I graduated was the very first semester, um, that COVID hit. So basically that means, uh, after spring break, we all came back to, a very quick pivot to online only. Um, and so I noticed a lot of my professors at the time, like really couldn't pivot those plans quick enough to like, uh, like restructure uh, their class so that it could complement that, that, you know, virtual change. Um, so that was a really hard transition period. And then, you know, into graduating, like I said, no one that I graduated had jobs and even people that were doing music, we couldn't go out to play live. We couldn't, we, all of the co-writes were on FaceTime. So the entire music industry and just my entire life changed completely during the pandemic. But to answer that question, no, I didn't want to quit. Um, but I definitely had a, a very negative view on um, what I could do. Um, but I do think that the pandemic was actually a pretty, pretty positive thing for my music. Um, you know, among all the negative things is positive for my music because it allowed me that like that time and that space that I needed to like, uh, like look inward and, uh, you know, keep cooking these songs to get to where I want it to be so that I could create the art that I was like truly feeling. 
100%. And I think you made a really great point. I think with music, we forget that a lot, is that it really helps a lot of artists if you were used to being, you know, in a studio setting. For some artists, that could have been really difficult, like having a, you know, collection of the minds of like writers and producers and engineers. But the great thing is it, it taught you how to be more creative because there were a lot of artists that I've interviewed and they said, hey, they had people from a whole nother country or maybe from a different part of town and they were like sending stuff like, you know, demos and information and songwriting, even through, like you said, like FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And for some people were even Skyping and, may, and continuing to release yep. music. So I feel like for a lot of artists, you know, they were able to use that creativity in a different way, but it created something so authentic because we were all dealing with challenges, not only in just 2020, but even still now in 2023, you know, we're still dealing with a lot. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually um, worked on that song, I Need a Break, uh, with my buddy Sci-Fi. Um, you know, he's an electronic producer out in Minnesota right now. I've been friends with him for a very long time, but we had the idea to create this song um, for actually years before it came out. Um, and then COVID-19 really created the perfect perfect space for us to do that um and the the song is really is really um inspired by you know the black lives matter movement and you know all of the problems that we're having around that um and uh reggie and i sci-fi we donated all of the money from this song to a couple different um, black lives matter organizations and different organizations around that we knew would be able to support a lot of these problems that we were having that were on top of covid like we that was an awful time and uh, even in Nashville, I, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I, I am here in Nashville and, uh, back in 2020, um, or sorry, 2019, right before 2020, uh, we had a bombing here downtown in Nashville. And so Nashville did not have a good, a good year. We had a bombing and then we had tornadoes that destroyed part of the town and then COVID hit. And then, you know, all of these violent things were happening. So it was a really hard time. So I think that song gave us the space to like, you know, get some music out there that was social justice related and also try to kind of, you know, create awareness around an issue and also monetarily support an issue that we really, um, really are passionate about. And I, I feel like we can put our pain into purpose and passion. And, and that's always where I like to tell people our pain can lead to purpose. And it's not about like being consumed mm -hmm. by the things we've experienced, but about evolving and learning how to educate others on how we choose to be, you know, seen yeah. and choose to hopefully be able to grow um, and cultivate change. And I think like change starts, like you say, with people like you who do have that voice in the platform, but it also starts in our homes and, and what we see in the media and how we can actually relay the messages we want people to see within us. So I'm just excited that that song actually resonated with so many people, yeah. but that you used it as almost like a bridge to get to the other side of the pain that many people were struggling with at that time. Yes, absolutely. Thank oh, you, man. No Appreciate problem. That. So the next question I have for you is erased. So if you could erase one lyric from a previous song that you have released and make a remake of this song for re-release, which song and lyric would you choose and why? So this is a really good question. Um, and I kind of have a non-answer, but I promise I'll have an actual answer by the end of it. So um, I typically don't in life generally, I typically don't have like regrets or anything like that um, because I feel like things that go wrong or things that, that weren't, didn't you know, end up how, they, how you wanted it to, you're able to learn from those things. Um, and so 
I think a lot of my old music before I transitioned back into like the pop punk um, genre that is definitely my home and where I belong. Uh, a lot of my old music was more in that like R&B, hip hop, pop um, kind of mix style, definitely still in, influenced by pop punk and emo. Um, but a lot of the old music just has language in it that I just don't even use. <laughs> I think whether it's slang or nicknames or, you know, relating to memes or trends or whatever. Um, there's a few songs of like old songs of mine that just don't feel like me anymore. Um, I love the songs. I love I love what I did with them, but it's just not necessarily Jack the Underdog. Um, at the time, you know, I thought it was cool. Uh, but nowadays, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, I just like, uh, I, I, I hear it and I cringe a little bit just thinking like, oh, why did I say that? Specifically, um, words like, you know, turnt and swerve, like, you know, they're fun, but they don't sing well. <laughs> or talking about, uh, you know, designer clothes that I don't actually own, just pretending, you know, flexing for the music and have never owned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my answer is just a lot of my old music I was writing back then um, in the day with the idea that it, this is practice for writing commercial music. Um, so a lot of my old music was like, yes, it's me. It's what I wanted to write, but I was also looking at it from more of a, like a commercial aspect of writing songs for other artists, because I don't know if you believe this, there was actually a time that I didn't even want to be the face of the music that I was making. There was a time where I only wanted to be a songwriter. Um, and I think that kind of came in a little bit with the pandemic. Um, you know, I didn't think I was going to be good enough to be an artist and, you know how it is with imposter syndrome. Um, but yeah, so there was a whole period of time that I just kind of wanted to be the songwriter. So that's kind of what I was fo- focusing on was more songwriting and less, you know, the brand of Jack the Underdog and who I was as an artist. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I want to go back to like that era, back when I was in college and put some of my like more genuine self in it, more of like what I'm feeling and, and being just more like... Um, down to earth and just deeper with what I was doing. Um, because I, you know, I, I love writing catchy songs, but part of the stuff that I'm really happy about with the music that I still have out and the stuff that I'm currently working on is that it's, it's deeper. It has a, it has a better meaning behind it. It has um, a lot of feelings behind it and just, you know, care and intention. I love that story, um, Jack. I think the best part that really stood out to me when you talked about like possibly experiencing imposter sin- syndrome and, just going through those experiences of a songwriter, and, and we like to call it ghostwriting as well. Well, you you start to yep. see these artists, and you would never know like some of the people who wrote some of these hit songs. I like to go back to like one of the biggest yep. songs, Nicki Minaj Super Bass, and people don't know who actually really yep. wrote and sung on that track. And so Esther Dean, who I really love, love her music, and just you know seeing how she's been able to be in so many different mm-hmm. shows. One of my favorite shows that she was on was on um, NBC Songland. And so I had an opportunity to interview a lot of contestants from that show. And I just think of just, you know, how amazing that was. Just being awesome. on a show like this, having a good time, and then having songwriters like that who just stood for something that I feel is just the epitome of what, what you want to see in an artist. Someone who starts from the ground up and who can make a career for themselves and can help so many other artists as well. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and Songland is so cool. I, I, you know, I grew up watching American Idol and X Factor and all those different things. Right. But Songland is, is different for me because like as a songwriter, it, it hits different because, you know, I, I, everyone loves a good voice. Everyone loves a voice that sounds good. Right. But for me, 
um, I care so much more about the songwriting and I care so much more about the story behind it and, you know, the brand and, you know, what you're trying to evoke to your audience and all of that, all the stuff that's like the songwriting and behind the scenes. I care so much more about that than I do just a pretty voice. So Songland for me is really cool because it's like, I get to actually hear those songwriters. Like that is kind of the focus of that show. So absolutely here for that. Love that. Yes, I love that. And Ryan Tedder, I mean, we could just spend all day. And Sean, I mean, Shane, excuse me. I loved all three of the judges on the show. And then when they would have guest Uh, judges, but I'm a huge fan of Ryan. And well, Ryan wrote, uh, Ryan wrote, That's What I Want by Lil Nas X. And I didn't know that at first. I I was obsessed with that song when the, the Lil Nas X album came out. Uh, last year, I think it was. Um, and then I saw the credits like months later. And I was like, it makes sense that Ryan Tedder wrote this song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, didn't he write Halo for Beyonce as well? Yeah, I think probably? he did. Yeah. I mean, he he's amazing. And the crazy, the crazy thing is I actually have family members who performed on his album. So there was a few songs in his native album. And one of them is called Preacher. And so my cousins actually had a chance to meet him when he was recording in New Orleans and they sung background on that song. So it was really cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. I'm like, That's awesome. I'm like, man, I'm so jealous. I love Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's really cool. So I have a fun question for you more than love. So what is your definition of the word love? And if you could never perform music again, what would you, you feel like you would do as a career that way you can still be involved in the music industry. I know songwriting is something you said before, but I want to kind of see if you can think of something else, maybe in the music career that you might be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have an answer for that. So I'm a, you know, I got the pop punk hard outer shell, but I am a very sensitive emo boy on the inside. Um, And, you know, love is everything to me. Um, As a pop punk kid, like my friends are some of the most important people in my life. Um, you know, my friends over you, my newfound glory, like the anthem, um, you know, and I stay telling the homies that I love them. I, I, you know, when they leave my house, I'm like, love you, drive safe. Um, cause I think that there are different levels of love. So in different types of it. So in my head, um, you know, there's obviously familial love, um, there's romantic love and there's like platonic love. And then there's all these different versions of it that we don't even necessarily talk about, whether it's desire based or whatever it is, you know just a crush on someone you'll never have access to or whatever, uh, you know, we've all been attracted to, you know, the hot, the hot uh, cartoon character or whoever it is. Right. Um, And so I'm going to say something really corny here. So big corn warning, but I truly think that love is what keeps the world spinning. Don't fact check me scientists because I don't think I'm right on that, but um, it's just, that's just really important to who I am with, with social justice, like love and compassion um, and being trauma informed and just caring about other people is just really important to me. And that's a big part of what I've done within Jack the Underdog and my own brand as well, just because it's who I am and how, what I want to evoke to my audience. Um, but I'm going to take a step back really quick. So I wrote the song uh, More Than Love uh, with that band from high school we mentioned earlier, Painting Stars. Um, we were all actually in college, but um, the singer Sarah Underwood and I actually both went to Belmont um, and didn't know that the other person was going to Belmont. So that was a really funny uh, coincidence when we were in the studio one day and realized, oh, you're going to Belmont? I'm going to Belmont. Whoa, that's weird. Um, and so one day, uh, the one year, the Painting Stars band came down to Nashville for, I think it was St. Patrick's Day kind of weekend or whatever. Um, and we wrote the song. Um, and the whole idea behind that song is that there's just so much more to life and to love than just romantic love. I think the hook is... Um, there's got to be more to life uh, than love. 
And I truly just don't think that we tell each other that we love each other enough. Um, and that's been something, like I said before, it's something that I'm really trying to include with my brand. Um, I've been writing uh, You Matter with a smiley face on everything of mine recently. Um, and it's been received really well. Like uh, I have uh, lighters, like Jack the Underdog lighters. I'm looking at one right in front of me on my desk right here. Uh, and the side of it just says You Matter with a smiley face. Um, and just knowing that, you know, pop punk emo music is that genre that people deal with mental mental health issues, whether that's depression and anxiety or really anything in that vein. Um, and knowing that as someone that has gone through depression and anxiety and all these things, um, knowing that my music can give people, you know, almost like a safe space or solace from the feelings that they're having. Um, and I just want people to know, like, that is the whole, that's the whole point of Jack the Underdog. And people, uh, I, I want to be that voice for the underdogs. I want to give people the idea that there is someone else out there like them or someone that can represent their community or um, how they're feeling or anything like that. Um, that was a long rant. To go into the actual question, um, when it comes to the job part of it, uh, we mentioned it earlier, I do actually have a full-time job here um, in Nashville. So in addition to doing music full-time, um, I also work at a nonprofit um, to help create safer spaces um, in two specific areas of the world. One is the alcohol serving spaces, you know, getting the resources and tools necessary so someone can still go out and have fun and drink and not anything bad happen. Um, and then as well as the music industry spaces um, to stop harassment and assault from happening within the music industry. Um, because social justice is such a huge part of who I am, um, I think if I wasn't in music, I would probably go fully down that road, fully into social justice, um, whether that's, you know, creating a, an organization or a charity or whatever it is. Um, that's probably where I would end up. Um, but if I'm going to stay in music, which is where I want to be uh, and where, where I think I belong, um, and I couldn't be a performer, wasn't allowed to perform or whatever, I would love to be obviously a songwriter. We said that already. But the other idea that I have is like a content manager or like a social media manager for a musician or an artist that I really believed in. Um, I have a social media team for me um, and they are great. I love them so much. Shout out my team. If you're listening to this, you guys are great. Um, and they really help me with a lot of the stuff that I want to do because as an artist and as an artist with a full-time job, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and film, um, you know, TikToks and Instagram reels and stuff and have them all edited up and stuff. Before I had my team, I would spend like sometimes an hour editing a TikTok based on, you know, getting captions to line up properly and the music to line up properly and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so having a team where I can, you know, go in and um, have all these ideas, really, you know, uh, you know, in-depth ideas that for me would take me hours to film and execute and edit and get up and everything, um, that they're able to shoot and then edit in a short period of time, get back to me and I can approve it. Um, I've noticed as the musician that if I wasn't the musician, I would love to do that. I don't have those video editing skills, but I do have like the brain for um, you know, scheduling and planning all that kind of stuff, um, going to Belmont and having that music business degree kind of really helps in that. We did a couple of classes specifically around, you know, branding and management and social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, I just really find like the social media manager content side of it, of the industry to be a lot of fun. And if I wasn't a musician, I would love to be involved in that in someone else's career. I love that answer. I feel like, you know, social media has played a huge role in music careers today versus maybe, of course, 15 or 20 years ago, we've seen such a huge shift 
and how music is distributed or how people are able to mm-hmm. create such amazing um, videos and, and just being able to be creative. I mean, Dave Myers is one of my favorite producers um, that I've seen do so many great mm-hmm. music videos. And um, I think that's a great thing, like you said, to be able to still be creative if you couldn't be the actual artist out there. So it kind of leads and segues into my next question, which is conversation. Yeah. So if you could sit down with any A&R executive or music producer in the country, so you get to choose anyone that you would like, who would you choose? And what specifically would you want to ask him or her as it relates to their career? So this is a really good question. And I have an answer immediately. Um, that's not even one I have to think about. So for me, I would love to work with Travis Barker of Blink-182. He's the drummer. Um, he is absolutely killing it right now out in the in the scene he honestly we you know we all grew up with the uh you know of my generation we all grew up with that like pop punk music being what was like really popular when we were young and like you know the whole emo kid vibe all of that like that was what I grew up with and then um pretty quickly into you know maybe like my middle school years everything transitioned into pop very quick like everything went from rock to pop um and I feel like Travis Barker, I mean, I know in music, everything kind of is, is cyclical, meaning like things are going to come back for sure. So pop punk's going to come back. I mean, I, that's my point in saying this right here. I think Travis Barker is kind of the one that brought it back. Um, he's working with, uh, you know, Black Bear, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, Avril Lavigne, Jaden. He's, Travis Barker is producing and drumming for a lot of really, really famous and you know, up and coming artists that are in the pop punk and in the rock world. Um, and I, I've loved Travis since I was a little kid. I've loved Blink-22 since I was a little kid. So I think I would want to bring Travis in and tell him like, yo, you are literally my, my idol. <laughs> um, and I'd love to just be in the studio with him and just have him like produce up my tracks and play live drums on them. Um, having like a Jack the Underdog featuring Travis Barker on drums uh, song would be like my, I, I don't, I can't even, I can't even explain how I would feel about that. That's like a, that's a, reach goal dream goal of mine like i can't even imagine that being a a reality of mine but um yeah travis barker i think he is so cool he is so talented um and i mean this isn't what i was this isn't why i chose him but look at how much of a reach he has now he is he's with the kardashians and he's just he's just killing it out there and um i just i just really i've always really been drawn to Travis and his drumming. I, I'm not a drummer at all. I play like most instruments and drumming is the one I can't do at all. Um, and I think that's the reason why I like Travis so much that I just, as a, not a person that can drum in any way, shape or form, I look at him and I look at the songs he's been on and written and produced. And I'm just like, that is, that is a dream collaboration for me. I love Travis as well. I mean, I'm a big, you know, punk emo fan. I, I listened to Blink-182. I used to listen to All-American Rejects, Corn. I mean, I can list the many bands. Green Day, of yeah. course, is one of my favorite bands. And I just love to oh. hear that. Like, when you, you mentioned that about him, I mean, he has been doing it for many years. And the great thing is just seeing him being able to to give back. I know he was in a plane crash, if I remember, a long time ago, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yeah he technically, I don't even think should actually be alive. He survived something that was crazy. Yeah, I was trying to go back in my mind. I was like, I thought I remember something like that happening. But, you know, he's a survivor. He's a great mm-hmm. artist. And then that's what I love about the artists of today. 
um, especially the ones who've been around for 15, 20 years, you just don't know what kind of reach that they do have. And, you know, you can be a person who's in the background and still be in the forefront of so many people's minds and, and the music that people listen to and enjoy. So yeah, Travis, you know, if you ever get a chance to hear this, you know, Jack wants you to be on, on with him, y'all can make it work. <laughs> yes, hit me up, Travis, let's go. There we go. <laughs> so the next one I have is be real. So what is one of your biggest fears in life? So that's a good question. Um, I think, and again, this might come across as corny, but it's true. I think one of my biggest fear in life is, um, hatred. And I know that sounds weird, but I'll explain it for me personally. Um, as a member of the LGBT community, um, and I live in Nashville in the South, I worry that hatred could put me in an unsafe situation. But like, on top of that, I, I am so passionate about social justice. I am so passionate about, you know, um, being aware of intersectionality and how that affects people's, um, experiences throughout life. Um, and like I said before, I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, where, you know, police brutality is a really bad issue up there, specifically in Minneapolis. Um, and I have black and trans family members that still live in Minnesota. Um, and so I have that fear that hatred will be used against them. Um, especially like we mentioned earlier during the pandemic of all the stuff that was going on there. Um, that was a really hard, really, really hard time for me. Um, knowing not to center myself on that, but to know that like, I have family members that are, that are in danger right now. And I have family members that are in the state that this is happening at, and it's not, it's not good. It's not safe. Um, so something I, I said it before, but something that's really important for me in creating like the music that I create um, and the brand that I create too, is just to be sure that listeners know that they're accepted, they're valid and that they're welcome to be here in the family as one of the underdogs. And the only caveat on that is that we don't tolerate intolerance, meaning if you're going to be intolerant to someone, we're not going to tolerate that. But everyone else, if you if you're loving, if you are looking for community community, the Jack the Underdog community, the underdogs, that's like my whole goal and plan with all of this. I'm I'm just hopeful to create a community that can you know stand up for each other, support each other, and be you know that light in the world where sometimes it's it's really dark or sometimes we see a lot of you know evil or hatred or anything like that. Now that's an emo answer. So I apologize to everyone listening. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. I love that you mentioned that. I feel like that's a part of who you are. And that's why your brand has been able to build itself and, and your followers. I feel like there's an authentic part to you that we need to see more of in just general, not mm-hmm. just music, you know, that people should be able to talk and share and discuss the triumphs that you have made and being able to not only share your experiences, but also to stand up against, like you said, different types of injustice. And there's so many of them that are out there. There's a lot of isms. I always say that we, you know, we try to skirt past as if they're not there, but, you know, I know in my career, I have to always be very careful of, you know, my stance and my sharing specifically on certain things. But when it comes to, you know, disrespect and, and the isms, I'm definitely very firm on my belief system that I'm, I don't tolerate that around me. And I feel like it's it's important for everyone yeah. to know that, you know, you can have a voice and you can still speak for yourself and not have to feel like you have to stifle your belief system as long as you're being respectful and you can still listen to everyone's experiences. Because I feel like there's there's times where even someone who we may feel is not hearing what you're saying, but they may not be educated in the way that you have learned through it from your own personal experience. So 
you know, some people learn through personal experiences, some learn through what we read in books, others learn through media, or sometimes all the above. And so I, I, I feel like that's a great thing for you is that you have been able to go yeah. through personal family experience, your own experience, but also what you've seen and what you've heard and how it's affected you, which has given you a platform in music and social justice to still build relationships without tearing people apart along the way. So I think that's a great thing. Don't apologize for what you say and how you feel as long as you're sharing from your experience and not telling people how to feel. You know, I think that gives people the opportunity to make the decision for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just opening up to different perspectives and everything. Yeah. Oh, no Thank problem. You. So I thought I knew you is my next question. So if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, mm-hmm. what would you say to young Jack? Okay, so... I, when I was looking at these questions, I didn't really write anything down, but I did for this one because I, I wanted to get a lot out. Um, and so I, I kind of wrote a little letter to myself and I might read it if that's okay with you. Um, cause I could truly say a million things here. Um, I could, tr- I could give you a list of a million different things that I want to give advice to, um, for, you know, young Jack, the underdog before Jack, the underdog was Jack, the underdog. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote this little like mini letter to myself that is, I just feel really, I feel really attached to this, this, this piece of this, these words here. And uh, I will give the trigger warning of, um, you know, mental health stuff and, um, you know, self-harm, that kind of stuff really quick before I go into it. But um, yeah, I think I, I really want to just kind of read this. So here we go. Here goes up. Hey, little Jack, this is 25 year old Jack here. How are you doing, buddy? Based on the bullying, depression, anxiety, self-harm, drug use, and being a closeted closeted bisexual teenager, I think I already know the answer to that question. I know things are really tough right now. I know that you want to give up. And I also know that you feel like no one's on your side. I'm here to say that all of that is temporary. Life is not easy, but middle school and high school were easily the worst years of your life. So yes, it sounds shitty. Hope Hope I can swear, sorry. But stay strong because you're going to want to see what happens on the other side. You ready for this? You actually end up moving out of Minnesota to move to Nashville to pursue music and social justice full time. You go by the artist named Jack the Underdog now, and your music has really been making some huge steps recently. You get an offer to open up for the story so far just a few months after moving to Nashville in 2015. You get a single song record deal with a German electronic music label in 2017, 2018-ish. And then you transition back into pop punk music in 2020, and you have an entire team behind you for socials, production, publicity, et cetera. I keep going on. Not only all that, you also get a feature from Kellen Quinn of Sleeping with Sirens in 2022. Yeah, you heard that correctly. You may get bullied now for listening to Sleeping with Sirens, but the bullies don't know that you're going to grow up and collaborate with a lead singer and have a whole song with him. Want to flex to the little demons at school? Tell those bullies that the 25-year-old you is on billboards, hears famous people's new songs before they're released, and has famous people's phone numbers in your phone contacts, is a part of a pop-punk TikTok group. Oh yeah, TikTok doesn't exist yet for you, but don't worry. It's like Vine, but a little bit different. That only launched one week ago, and it already has 33,000 followers, over 1.2 million views total, and a viral video with over 600,000 views. A song from your brand new project, Acoustic Variants, got played on the radio, 101.5 WXNA, here in Nashville, only three days after release day, and no one on your team sent it to the host. He found it by himself. Your old song, Dolly, went viral on TikTok back in 2020, 
got used by a bunch of different, um, you know, content creators. And although depression and anxiety are bitches, I still deal with them nowadays. But I promise you, things get better and you're going to go far, kid. P.S. You know how our, fa- how our parents feel about tattoos, but don't worry. You have 32 of them now. Love you, little me. So that's the piece that I wrote to myself. Um, I, I really had a, an emotional reaction, I, honestly, writing this earlier today. And I just felt, yeah, it's, there's a couple parts, a little, little cocky, whatever. But um, I really felt like this was kind of a healing moment for me, honestly, in, in thinking about little Jack and thinking about the things that he went through and where I'm at now. I really enjoyed that, Jack. And I feel like you made a really great point of, and I want to kind of change that verbiage for you. I think you can be confident without cocky. I feel like there's a confidence that I heard as you continue to speak about it and share your experience of what you've gone through, the things you've, you've done, because you're proving it to you more than proving it to others. And I feel like when people go through challenges, mm. you know, it can be difficult when you, like you said, going through bullying or people who are not understanding your 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 plight and the challenge it takes to get where you are. But I think now you're actually living in your own success. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I've worked my butt to get to where I am and I'm achieving these goals. But I feel like you can be confident without being cocky. And I, I think that was more confidence it sounded like to me is, hey, look at what I've done and what I want to continue to do. And that's how you're going to build so many other underdogs. Um, they're confident by saying, hey, I can hear what he experienced and he still persevered then there's nothing holding me back for myself. And I feel like sometimes we need to have that inner dialogue because that, that saboteur is always there around the corner. That I like to call it like the little gremlin. You know, it's there. And we get to choose either to listen to it or we get to choose to repel from it and actually find what works for us. So I love that you said that. It was a great job on the letter. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, like I said, I had, I had a really good time writing that earlier today. And I just, I really want to read it exactly like that just because I said like it had such a, an effect on me. Um, and I was going to say something else. Um, and my brain is empty, so I don't know what I was going to say, but um, we'll, we'll keep moving. <laughs> okay. But I'll fill your brain up with my next question. <laughs> it's hard to read. So what has been one of the most shocking deaths in music that has shaken you to your core? And how did this artist's influence help motivate you to become the artist you are today? Yeah, I have a really good answer for this. Um, again, an answer that comes to me immediately. I don't have to even think about it. Um, and it's Juice World for sure. So, and I might sound a little bit weird um, as a pop punk artist or whatever, but I absolutely love Juice World and his music so, so much. Um, I love that middle ground that he found between rap and rock and punk and emo and, and, and hip hop and pop and all these things. Um, and I really loved how Juice World could say whatever he wanted. Even if it didn't rhyme or fit the song, he could literally say anything. And because of like his emotions and the way that he like performed and the way that he sang and rapped and all these things, his emotions like showed through so strongly into his work. Um, and it makes all those things work that like, if it doesn't rhyme or if it doesn't fit, like it still works because of, it feels so true, so genuine, so real. Um, and it makes for, in my opinion, extremely powerful songs. So R.I.P. Juice World, we love you lots. Um, and the second half of that question, that question, how did this artist influence, uh, like help motivate me? Um, 
Juice World was kind of like the you know mentor for the Kid Leroy, who's another really popular rapper, you know, pop star that's out there right now. Um, and the Kid Leroy, um, he does another really cool thing, mixing you know emo with hip hop, with rap, with pop, with pop punk, all these things together. Um, and, you know, he's collaborated with Machine Gun Kelly and some you know some pop punk artists and some cool people. Um, and he, although there's sometimes not even real drums in the songs, they've got that guitar in there, they've got that edgy vibe, they've got that you know pop punk uh, singer songwriter theme. Um, and so when Juice World passed away. Um, I was a super fan and so obviously stayed a super fan, but that's kind of when I discovered the kid Leroy. Um, and actually this is back in like 2020 or whatever. I actually can't remember what year Juice World passed away. Um, but the kid Leroy actually kind of put me up to be where I am now. Um, I would say, so back in 2021, I released a version of my song, High Holiday. That was a lot more emo rappy. That was very inspired by the kid Leroy. Um, because I still love that genre and that vibe. Um, and it was almost like a stepping stone between me being that like pop R&B hip hop artist and jumping back into the pop punk world. Um, because Juice World and The Kid Leroy are so, like I said, like they they really like blend those, those um, different pieces together. And I was just so intrigued by the genre that they were able to kind of create by themselves. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I love Juice World. I'm so sad that he passed away. I listen to him all the time. I love his songs so much. Um, and it really kind of pushed me into emo rap, which then pushed me straight back into pop punk. Yeah, I want to say rest in peace to Juice World as well. I think he passed away in 2019, if I remember correctly, because it was... I think it was December 2019. Yeah, I believe that was right. Because I think it was before the pandemic really started, like getting to where we were now, if I remember correctly. But that's just such a sad thing, you know, to hear. I hate when I see young artists. I mean, we can talk about, of course, what we just saw recently, um, what's been going on with, you know, the Migos and that whole situation, you know. And, you know, just so many people. I mean, growing up when I was younger, of course, Tupac and Biggie were two big influences in my life. And just seeing both of their lives taken so tragically, it just really impacted me as a kid because I didn't fully understand it. And I feel like when you don't understand what's going on and you try to make sense of it, it just makes it harder to move forward when you see these types of amazing yeah. artists, but also family men and people now their families have to try to move forward and just seeing, you know, both moms trying to make sense of it, seeing their exes or their current, you know, wives at the time or girlfriends, you know, how's everyone just trying to make sense of this tragedy, but also the music world. The type of music we could have had if those were still they both were still here. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I know. Dude, I know I feel like a Juice World Travis Barker collaboration was just around the corner. Honestly, like like and I'm not saying that for selfish reasons. I mean like Juice World was it was on top when he died. He was he was killing it when he died. Um and we see Travis Barker working with all these rappers and um yeah, I just I just think of all the cool music that would have come because Juice World I want to talk about his songwriting for a second before we move on. So Juice World is an incredible songwriter. I don't think people know that. I don't think people talk about that enough. Juice World would go into the studio. I know this through social media and stuff. I obviously never met Juice World. Um, but he would go into the studio with Benny Blanco and other other really popular producers and songwriters and and you know artists, whatever. And they'd give him a song and he'd freestyle a whole hit over it. And he'd say, hey, let's do it again. Run it back. And he freestyle a different hit over it. And you say, okay, one more. 
And then he would freestyle a third different hit over the same beat. And then he'd be done and say, yeah, pick which one you like, whichever one you think is best. And Benny's talked about this on social media. I love Benny Blanco. I love his production. Um, but the fact that Juice World was so talented that he could go into a studio, never, heardin- never having heard this beat before, and write three hits to it, and then just not even cut it up. Um, I think I actually saw this from a little Dicky show. Not even cut it up, but just pick whichever one you think's best. Just, you know, just pick it. I Juice World is one of the most talented songwriters, especially in my opinion, in the hip hop, you know, rap world. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And I am so happy that he did so much while he was alive because now we're getting, you know, posthumous releases. Um, but exactly what you said, if he was still alive, I can't imagine, you know, the evolution, the growth, the different things that he would have been working on and collaborating to create. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you talking about that because, you know, there's so many artists that I look up to and me not being an artist myself, just someone who admires musicians and their careers. It's just, it's just hard when you flip on the news or channel or radio and you hear someone that you either admired or someone who's done such great things at a young or old age has, you know, passed on or something tragically happens. Um, Because I think it's a lot different when it's just someone who, has, you know, given their full life, like an example, like a Barbara Walters, who, you know, has done a lot of great things in her career and has had a full life. And when someone maybe his life has been cut short due to different reasons or circumstances, it can be really hard to see. But it also just reminds us of what you stand for, which is the social justice and being aware and talking about issues. And maybe if we can start mm-hmm. having more open dialogue and education on what's going on in our communities, then hopefully we can make a shift you know, we, there's nothing that's going to say that we're not going to experience tragedy again, because um, those things can happen. But then we'll know how to at least talk about it and have really in-depth conversations. No, exactly. Yeah, within my job, we're um, away from my music. We're trying to get Narcan and fentanyl testing strips. I actually just ordered Narcan um, myself um, earlier today to get it uh, a personal dose. Just so I don't, I don't use drugs apart from you know marijuana, the legal kind. Um, I don't use drugs. I don't do coke or anything like that. I do have friends that do. I am in the music world, obviously, and it's such a such an issue. So I ordered Narcan just so I can carry it with me um, because we know it's such an issue. And on top of that, um, the Twenty Seven Club, what we used to call the Twenty Seven Club, is now the Twenty One Club, and it's so sad that it's the, the reality. But all of these artists are dying at twenty one or twenty um, instead of twenty seven, like the old trend. Um, so yeah, everything you said, yes, absolutely echo it and hoping to create that space within my social justice work that we're able to have awareness around this issue and, you know, provide the help and the resources that are needed. 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up. So the last two questions I have for you, Jack, the first one is, can you tell us what's next for you? And the second part of that question is how can our listeners find you online? Absolutely. So I've got a lot of really cool stuff coming that I'm really, really excited about. So um, some of this stuff hasn't actually been like officially announced, but I'll do it now. I don't care. You guys can be the first ones to hear it. So I am releasing a feature remix of my song Wasting Away with my good friend and extremely talented rapper, Danny G. Um, So we're going to be, you know, Wasting Away and High Holiday of my songs, uh, my new songs are definitely the most like emo rappy, most hip hoppy, 
Um, and I wrote the song Wasting Away with my very good friend, Sarah Underwood. She was actually in that high school band, Painting Stars. I mentioned her earlier. Um, and she's actually the girlfriend of Danny G. So Danny G and her are dating. So it's like a full circle moment for me to um, have the co-writer of Wasting Away's boyfriend feature on my song with me. I think he is so incredibly talented. I love, we already worked on it. We already recorded his parts. I think his lyrics are absolutely genius. And I'm really cool that he's going to bring a brand new level to that song that didn't exist uh, previously. Um, because like I said, it did have all those hip hop vibes, but bringing in an actual rapper kind of changes the whole vibe of it, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm also working with some, you know, bigger name songwriters. Um, my brand new song with Kellen Quinn that came out in November, I guess it's not brand new. It's, it's two months old now. Um, that song that came out in November, I actually was, was one really great positive to that was I was, um, you know, connected to a lot of people because of it. Um, as soon as it came out, I got a message from, um, a songwriter here in Nashville's manager, um, saying, Hey, uh, Rajiv heard your stuff. He really wants to work with you. Sent me some demos. Um, and then I ended up getting to work with him and his name's Rajiv Dahl. He, um, wrote the song Pity Party by Stan Atlantic featuring Royal and the Serpent. Um, and that song has been on my playlist for months and months and months and months, maybe six months now. Uh, actually, no, now that it's January, it's probably eight months now. That song has been on my playlist for a long time. And I get an email, um, on my, uh, you know, a management email saying, Hey, this person that wrote the song that you like wants to work with you. And so that was a really weird, crazy moment for me. Um, and I listened through those demos and one of the demos they sent that he had originally started working on, it just felt perfect for me. It felt like a Jack the Underdog song already. So um, I'm working with him, Rajiv Dahl, on um, my new song, Sad Today, that I'm really excited to get out. Um, and we're going to hopefully be writing some more stuff too. Um, and I'm making content every single Tuesday at the Ride House. I mentioned it earlier. That TikTok house that I brought up has over 33,000 followers after a week. We literally launched it seven days ago today as of this recording. And we already have 33,000 followers on TikTok. We have some viral videos. Um, it's making my Instagram and TikTok blow up, which is awesome. Um, and so the Riot House, we've got every single Tuesday, we're cranking out videos and, and covers and brand new original music and skits and podcasts and all these things. So to answer your question, 20, 2023 is going to be crazy. I, I'm, I'm really going to be focusing on a couple brand new songs, some feature remixes, um, and then the Riot House. Super excited about the Riot House. I am just so excited for you. Thank you so much, Jack, for being a part of this show and giving us so much great content to look into and to support. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah, so I guess I didn't answer that second half of that question. So if you want to find me, if you want to listen to me or find me anywhere, um, you can go on any social media or any music platform and just search up Jack the Underdog. Um, I've got a ton of music out now to accompany your ears. If you're a fan of the pop punk, rock, alternative, you know, hip hop, R&B, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're a fan of that, you can definitely check that out. Um, so that's just Jack the Underdog. And if you want to follow along with the Riot House, um, you can follow us on TikTok or Instagram. Uh, it's just at Riot House HQ. And like I said, we're, we're meeting every single Tuesday. We're banging out multiple songs every single Tuesday. So we're going to be having a lot of cool content coming up there. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me on this podcast today, dude. I really appreciate it. You were so great to, to chat with. And I, I just, I, I love this podcast. And when you first asked me to, to be on it and I checked it out, I thought it was really cool what you're doing. So I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I mean, the pleasure is mine. I love getting to know you. And you guys, this is the first time we've actually talked by any outside of email. Um, this is our first time talking. So this is great 
to have someone on who I feel is doing great things, not only in your community, but you're doing great things in music. And so I would love to have you back on in the future. I have two other podcasts, actually. One is called Space Between, where it's more live performing, because I don't think there's any podcast out like mine where you have like more live actually singing into your phone doing a podcast. And so I've been doing that one now for almost about Mm -hmm. a year. And so I've had some amazing artists on that show. And then I just started a new one where I co-host with Dorian Lake. Um, And it's an amazing podcast called Embracing Your Love Marks. And so we talk more about social issues, things going on around the world with trauma and learning how to deal with grief and positivity and finding our way through our challenges. So if you even want to be on either of those two in the future, just let me know. Um, If you guys want to support and follow, it is available on Spotify as well for all three shows. I've been doing Black Canvas now since May of 2020. So it's just been an amazing opportunity for me to have people like you on being, like I said, on season eight. I just can't believe it's been this long and that we've been able to really talk about some challenges, but that I've been able to meet such amazing human beings around the world. So I would love to have you back on either Black Canvas again or the other two shows. And um, you just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a lot of amazing things for people. And I just can't wait to see where your career is going to go in the next 15 to 20 years. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the kind words and absolutely count me in. I think I love the Black Canvas podcast and the other two that you mentioned sound super cool. So I'm like, I could definitely, you know, share my own perspective and some of the stuff that I do and work on. So absolutely count me in. Y'all will hear me more if, uh, if, if he has me back. So uh, thank you so much for, for having me and for listening, everyone. Absolutely. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, I thank you so much, Jack. I will definitely have you back. We're going to keep in contact and you take care and have an amazing rest of your day. Right back at you. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,